Good morning. I got a call about one o'clock yesterday afternoon. <laughs> so here we are. The only similarity between Pastor Evan and I is we're both tall. Um, did I hear you say aeronautics? You and I are going to have fun talking because airplanes is one of my favorite things. So uh, I want to talk to you today um, from the Word of God. I think uh, it's very important. I've talked to you about it before. I, I know God is working because that, uh, that video is uh, right on point. My title today is called, Have You Been Persuaded? And we're going to read out of Mark chapter 9, verses 17 to 27. But before we do that, would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for today and your word. It's uh, something I value very much, as well as my relationship with you. And I pray today that some might be persuaded to uh, take up your word in you. And so as we bring your message today from the word, speak to us and may your spirit be with all of us. In your name we pray. Amen. So Mark chapter 9, verses 17 to 27. I'll be reading out of the NASB version. I don't know which version we're going to put up on the screen. There we go. But you can read along however you want to do that, like NIV. Phones or whatever. And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with the spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, childhood and it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him but if you can do anything take pity on us and help us and Jesus said to him if you can all things are possible to him who believes immediately the boy cried out and began saying I do believe help me in my unbelief and when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up the word of God. Probably nearly every day someone or something wants this from you and is trying to persuade you to buy into it. It comes in many forms. Advertising, 
day-to-day interactions with various people and even from your brain and the five senses connected to it. They're all trying to convince you about it, including me at this very moment. You're saying even my brain and the five senses? Yes, even those. What might this be, you ask? Trust. And not only are they and myself trying to convince you of the concept of their trustworthiness, but you too are most likely trying to do the same to them. Being trusted helps provide the means to a living, being loved and not rejected, and to building community. It is part of the glue that holds us together. We may not overtly, may not overtly be doing this, but we all do it in one form or another. For example, whether consciously or unconsciously, you're evaluating everything I say to see if it's trustworthy, and you should. You're taking in all the clues. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Evan must trust him or he wouldn't have him let him speak today. Or maybe he was just desperate, I don't know. <laughs> he looks appropriately dressed. He's not wearing shorts and a pink t-shirt. That might give him some credibility. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, or you might have some experience with me and um, can see my actions and my words and, and know whether they're truthful or not. Um, whatever it is, in some way, we all try to figure out if we can trust one another. So how do you know you can trust me? How do you know you can trust anyone? A few, uh, I don't know how long ago, as we did a series on Joshua, I talked to you then about the Word of God, which is out of chapter 1 in Joshua. And we talked about, is the Bible trustworthy? And I think I talked to you about how foundational it is and that it's really a black and white issue. It either is true or it is not true. If only parts of it are true, it really has no validity. Um, So I asked you then to trust, do you trust the Bible and um, the words that are in it? And how do you do that? Well, you have to have faith. And what does that word mean? (coughs) You all know I'm very big on words, and uh, one of the electives in my religion class was taking Greek. That is what the New Testament was originally written in. I am one of those. (laughs) I told my English teacher, I really, if you're an English teacher, I'm very sorry. I really don't like English. Not something you should probably tell your English teacher. But when you take a foreign, you're the English teacher, Pastor. <laughs> you should really be doing this because you do this very well. Um, but when I took Greek, um, I really had to learn English because they had to know all the parts of vocabulary. I mean, I learned stuff I thought I'd never have to learn. And then when we started translating, I found out how important the words really are. The English, we lose things so much, and Kathy, you'd understand too, because in Spanish it's the same way. When you translate, I, I mean, the Bible started to, to really surprise me and come open to me when I started reading what the original words were. So I'm kind of fanatical about that. You already know that. Some of you have been in my Sunday school class. And, 
and for me the words help really in the understanding of it and sometimes uh, answers a lot of questions. Well, today, one of those words is the same way. The Greek word for faith, pistos, can also be translated as trust or belief. And um, written in the common Greek of the day, this is a common language. It wasn't a special language made up just for the Bible. It was uh, just the vocabulary that people used in those days. And the Greeks are very um, good at, when they put a word together, they consider not only just the left side of your brain, but the right side of your brain. So you have the feeling that goes with it, and you get this concept, whole concept of what the word really is. The root word for this uh, comes from meaning to convince, to persuade, or to confide in. Um, Keeping that in mind, what I'd like to do is um, ask you to do what I do sometimes. When you look at and you read it in a Bible verse, and you see the word belief or faith, use all three of those when you reread the sentence. If it says, I believe, say, read it as, I trust, I believe, and I have faith. If you read it in those three different ways, it may come to li alive to you a little bit more. So if faith is really trust, how do you accomplish trust? First of all, someone has to be willing to take a risk. You must want to begin the process. Unless you're willing, there will never be any trust. Once you decide to begin the process, it's really like a dance. A person moves, and then the other person has a counter move. Hopefully, nobody steps on each other's toes. What you are doing is testing or discerning for truthfulness. If they pass the test, then the relationship grows stronger. If it doesn't, well, the relationship probably is not going to grow. There isn't a time frame on the process. Um, and it can, it can happen within minutes or it might take years. Remember, it's a process and a continual one at that. It is possible to shorten the process if the person you are wondering about may be known by someone you trust. If they come recommended, it helps. Or you may be one of those who just gives people the benefit of the doubt right off. There are many uh, shades of building trust, but in the end, it's most certainly always earned through experience. To be a trustworthy person and have someone not believe, all right, to be a trustworthy person involves vulnerability, which means if you want to build a relationship, you may have to talk about yourself and maybe say things that you don't want to talk about them. That's the risk part of it. The only way to really build that trust, though, is to let out that vulnerability a little bit. And hopefully that person will keep that trust and will earn that trust. And if they do, things are safer. We want a safe community to live in. If they don't, then you know you really can't trust who they are. It's a difficult thing. 
really going to have a relationship with somebody, I'm going to have to reveal myself. That's how it works. Now today we kind of have a, a, um, an example of that. About a father and his son. The story appears in Matthew and Luke. And piecing them together, uh, we know that the father had a son that was demon-possessed and afflicting him with the symptoms of epilepsy. And although given the power to exercise demons, the disciples were unable to get the job done. The other accounts tell us the father came to Jesus on his knees asking for some help. Remember I said someone has to take a risk. Although the disciples failed, the father at least believed he had nothing to lose approaching Jesus. After getting the story, which Jesus already knew anyway, he was frustrated with the unbelief of the people, not the father. He was not expecting the people to have perfect faith without doubt, but rather that they didn't trust him, although he had proved himself trustworthy. They either dismissed him directly or didn't even engage themselves in the trust process with him. Many times the relationship was all about them and what they could get and not about the relationship with Jesus. The father took a risk and started the dance with the first move. Jesus' dance move was to engage the father in such a way to build trust between them. Once again, trust was established then Jesus could address the real problem and provide the solution. Understandably, some of the father's trust in Jesus had been shaken because of his disciples. He asked Jesus if he can, would he help? Jesus says all things are possible to those who believe. This is something similar to what was told to Abraham when he questioned about the ability to produce an heir. Something along the lines of all things are possible or is anything too difficult from God was the message. I think that uh, most of the reason things don't happen is because people don't trust God and God cannot work when we don't trust him. I don't think he will work because he's not a pushy God. God values who we are and our free will. Does that mean that we can ask for whatever we want? No. God is not going to do anything outside of our best interest. Only in this account does the father make this profound statement. He believes in Jesus, but also asks for help with his unbelief. I've got some verses here. Let's go with the first one there, verse 9 or chapter 9, verse 19, and I've replaced the word unbelieving, and I want us to read this together, only I want it to replace it with the word trust. So if you'll read with me. You untrusting generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So I've replaced the word unbelieving with untrusting. Does that change it for you at all? Does it help you? From unbelieving to untrusting. 
I'd say that probably uh, accounts for pretty much um, what, what the situation was with the people. What trust the father uh, had was enough for Jesus to work with and get the job done. Jesus is not requiring us to have perfect trust. So let's go to verse 24. Immediately, if you'll read with me again, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my untrusting. And I apologize, he said, he should say, I do trust, help me overcome my untrusting. That is a very honest statement. Jesus can work with that because the man had humility. He admitted, I have some trust but I don't have enough. Please help me. And Jesus honored his request and healed his son. Having faith is really about building trust. In order to build trust, you have to take a risk. This requires us to be vulnerable with God. How is your relationship with God? Do you trust him? Do you believe that he can do what he says he can do? Do you believe in his word? Have you been persuaded, which is the root of that, that he is trustworthy? And that his word, like I said, his word is true. I'd like to challenge you to really just take a risk with God. I don't know what your relationship is with God. God will never fail you. People will. I know I have failed other people. We're all going to do that. God will not. Some of the situations that we're in, it may seem like he has. But after the situation is over, and you've had time to reflect on it, you find that God really did have your best interest at heart and knew what was good for you. And I'm so thankful that I have not always gotten everything I've asked for. <laughs> but to walk with him and to take a risk of vulnerability. Face it, he already knows everything about us anyway. What are you, you going to hide from him? Nothing. There's nothing to hide from him. He does love you. And I just want to, like I said, challenge you to take that risk to give him an opportunity if that's not your relationship with Christ. Or maybe your relationship is kind of, you know, here and there. I have been a believer since a boy when I first heard the story. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I've stuck on to that word as best I can because I know those words are true. And I know that Jesus loves me. And I know that he loves you. And if you don't know him, I want to give you an opportunity to know him. There are those of us you can look at and talk to, ask about our talk. There's a story giver right there. I'm sure she can share what she did already about her mother. And um, many of us have great stories of how Jesus has been with us and has been trustworthy. So if you have trouble believing the Bible, come talk to some of us. And we will tell you about our walk. The important thing is, is that you have a relationship with him. You can trust him. He 
if you don't, we're going to pray here. I'm going to pray a prayer. All you have to do is confess that you need him. Confess the things you've done wrong. And be remorseful about those and ask him to help you to go in another direction. That's what repentance, that word means. Go in another direction. If you're a strong believer, I just want to pray that you would praise him or thank him for that. So if you bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you do for us. You knew me before I was born. I have come to learn to trust you through experience. I have taken some risks to do that, and so have you. I wasn't even born yet, and you knew what I needed, and you provided the means of a restored relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that there be somebody who would like to be persuaded to trust you, that you would help them to take that risk, to take that first step of the dance, to confess to you all that they have done, and to trust you and ask you for forgiveness, and then to participate in the process with you, because you will help them through your spirit to go in another direction. And for those of us who have been longtime believers, I pray that you would continue to be with us, help us to share this word with others, to tell people about your trustworthiness, to be lights and salt wherever we go. Pray that you'd also be with us, all of us today as we discern your truth wherever we may be that we can worship you no matter where we are, and that with your spirit we are one as a community. Thank you for all that you do. In your name we pray.